Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Matt Dainley. Thank you for coming back to the show. Uh, more bad news for the Indianapolis Colts after this week 13 loss to the Tennessee Titans, 31-17. Uh, looked like the Colts were kind of in cruise control here uh, with a 17-7 lead, you know, going into what midway through the third quarter, and the wheels fell off. Uh, so Colts can't get this. It was a big win, another, or it was another big game. For the Colts, another big divisional game, uh, and the Colts couldn't come through. And uh, you know, as outside of losing to the Texans last week, you really wanted them to to put something together and 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 win a game there. The Colts couldn't do it. You thought maybe the Titans they could get over on them. They haven't, and uh, you know they lost. And it looks like a blowout on paper uh, if you look just at the score and you look at the second half scoring. I mean, you've got. The Tennessee Titans running up 24 points to the Colts seven in the second half, and that's just, you know, that that's a that's a recipe for disaster. That's not going to win any games. So, um, as always, the Colts cast is uh, presented to you by TickPick. Make sure if you guys are getting any tickets that you're using TickPick. <clears throat> Super easy way to get them. Use Stampede at checkout for ten dollars off any orders over a hundred dollars. So one of the things that we continued to see during this game is that the running game kind of was there, but not really there, right? Uh, the Colts run for 82 yards, um, and if you take Brissett's simple one-yard run or negative one-yard run out of that, they ran the ball 23 times. Not good from Jonathan Williams. Uh, eight carries, 14 yards, but then the Colts ultimately bench him for the rest of the game. So I think a lot of people were asking about that. I know they kept you know throwing it in our faces during the broadcast. But it, it's a legit question. You know, we saw him get called for a holding penalty uh, in, in pass protection 
But we didn't really, I don't, I mean, maybe he was missing holes badly or he was freelancing when he was running. We won't know that, you know, compared to the, what the play was called, but, um, it was, it was kind of questionable as to why they would sit him. You know, we saw Jordan Wilkins miss at least two, uh, protection calls. So, I mean, what was the reason that, uh, Williams wasn't there? Was he tweaked? Was he, you know, injured a little bit? We don't know that. Um, so kind of ended up, you know, bad. I mean, it, there's so many things that we're going to talk about or that we could talk about during the, for this game. But one of the things is, you know, that Derrick Henry is going to get his yards. He's a big bruising back. He's the Colts really kind of struggle to stop him. Everybody's struggle, struggling to stop him this year. And I didn't expect that to be a whole lot different. Uh, I didn't expect the Colts to be held to 82 rushing yards. So, and you know, they had some big plays. I mean, all three of their running backs, had 10-yard runs, at least one 10-yard run. So, I mean, you kind of see that there was some openings there. The Colts had to go through the air a lot. Jacoby Brissett had to pass the ball 40 times. And he went from, I believe, a 9.4-yard uh, per attempt mark at halftime down to 8 uh, for the rest of the game or to conclude the game. We saw some terrible passes, some terrible decisions by Brissett. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not going to be here to bash him. I, I was – annoyed just as much as any of you were that were watching the game at some of the decisions or the inaccuracy that he was showing he did have some good football on tape <clears throat> you know we heard that from Frank Reich after the game and he's right I mean there, Jacoby had some some points in this game where he was playing good football but the bottom line is is <laughs> his his uh mistakes were deadly costly and uh, just kind of took the Colts all out of everything. You know, we go from being tied, by, as you heard at the jump of the show, you go from being tied at 17 with Vinatieri trying to line up for a field goal. It gets blocked in return, 24-17 now, to just their very next possession uh, after a pick. Uh, you know, then you're down 31-17, just like that. I mean, just like that. The Colts are in a massive hole. And I said this on Twitter, and this is kind of how I felt about the Colts all year. It was one of the things that I felt like this is why they have to be in go mode kind of all the time is that this Colts team, especially because of this offense, they are literally one play away from losing the game at any point in time, always. These games are never out of reach for anybody that they're playing. Their opponents have to – all they got to do is make one play, and they made it. And you know what? The Colts weren't going to come back from that even. I mean, the Colts just looked like crap you know, in the second half. Couldn't get to anybody but Pascal for the most part. I was gl glad to see that Pascal had a good game. Doyle had a nice game as well. Marcus Johnson played pretty well. I thought he did well. The receiving core was not really the issue today. You know, I thought some of the play calling, the timing and stuff, where you kind of leave it on uh, Vinatieri's shoulders again. I mean, this, God, this shit's got to stop, right? I mean, that part of it. It seems like they're going into these situations saying, well, we've got a field goal kicker. Well, we can use him. Yeah, but you could also just play, you know, call the plays better uh, and and try to take advantage of some of the obvious issues. Have a quarterback that sees guys that are wide open and doesn't throw off his back foot. Just because, And this is another thing. Okay, so earlier in the year, kind of a little rambling here, but so many kind of thoughts are running, bouncing into my head now. Earlier in the year, we were talking about Patrick Mahomes, or at least I was. <clears throat> And one of the things I was saying was guys like him who kind of rely on their natural-born athleticism, so to speak, uh, in so many words anyways, uh, throw off their back foot, they can still make the throws, the no-look passes and stuff. Eventually, those go away because 
those don't always work. Those are not, it's a, like a guy warming up for a basketball game shooting from half court. I mean, the, you don't shoot from half court, but, you know, once a game, if it's last second shot, you know what I'm saying? And this was kind of the thing. We see Brissett make a good throw off his back foot. Um, it's a big, you know, and then, and then it naturally just automatically feels like it's getting plugged into his head that he can throw that every single damn time now, but he can't. And he showed that he has a plenty strong enough arm to do it, but you, his accuracy goes right down the toilet. And we saw that overthrowing receivers, bad decisions, throwing. I mean, there were plenty of opportunities, especially in the end zone, um, back shoulder throw that was about five yards too far out of Pascal's reach. We saw another one over Doyle's. You know, the accuracy has to be better than that. And I get that none of us could probably, you know, throw a pass that accurate or as accurate as it needs to be in the NFL. But these guys are NFL quarterbacks. We expect them to throw like NFL quarterbacks. And that's the that is the benchmark, folks. We need accuracy out of NFL quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, the ending stat line for Brissett was 25 of 40 for 319, a touch and two interceptions. Uh, only sacked three times. So you kind of look at that and you think, well, that's not terrible. No, it's not terrible, I suppose. But, I mean, you're looking at right around 60% completion rate, 320 yards. That's ballooned. I mean, who cares? It, it, it doesn't matter. You want some yardage. You have to move the ball. And there were there were definitely drives in the first half where the Colts just chugged down the field. I mean, even in the second half there in the third quarter, the court, the Colts uh, scoring possession there in the third quarter, it was excellent. You run, I mean, big chunks, one after another, big one after another. And that's great. And that's something that the Colts have needed to do more consistently. Uh, the passing game early in the game up through early parts of the third quarter was not the problem. It was one of the better part, uh, situations that was going on for the Colts offensively. They looked good. The running game wasn't there. The passing game was doing pretty well. And then you get into this point where it just seems like just it just explodes with stupidity, bad decisions, bad routes. I mean, uh, just uh, uh, it just the combination of that and play calling differential. One, okay, the Colts are moving down the field, down the field, down the field. They get inside the thirty, and all of a sudden the Colts get like super conservative. And I don't understand this. I just don't understand it. We've had issues throughout the year. Started in kind of Denver, I think. Uh, where you get conservative play calling, and then you screw up with a Vinatieri kick. I mean, this has been an ongoing issue throughout the season with, with the kicks. This isn't just the kicks, though. The special teams unit has been complete garbage for the Colts all year long. Uh, Anthony Costanzo missed that block on that blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Um, they made no bones about it. He blocked out, should have blocked in. You never let somebody come through that gap. Frank Reich says he's right. I mean, that's the thing. You don't want guys up the middle. It's easier for them. They have to move fewer yards to get to the football in order to block it. <clears throat> Only makes sense, right? But that's something that has gone uh, kind of uh, with the territory this year. Uh, with special teams, just, you know, uh, from Chester Rogers, you know, trying to or not not fair catching a ball when he's got gunners right on top of him about to knock his head off uh, to fair catching balls with nobody around inside the 10 yard line, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it just seems like this uh, aside from the obvious situations with Vinatieri missing kicks, kicks being blocked. He's just been awful, and so has the rest of the special teams in certain points. 
Now, the special teams, we don't notice the times when they're fine. You know, good punts out of Rigoberto Sanchez. Uh, we have certain situations. You know, that's the, the Colts haven't had a lot of blocked field goal kicks this year. They've had a couple. Um, so that hasn't been an issue. It just seems like these things keep piling on. Uh, blocked punts, we've had a couple of those. Missed blocking assignments is more or less one of the issues uh, here that we're talking about in terms of an aside to Vinatieri's awful you know, kicking ability this year. So it's just one of the things that we have kind of gotten used to seeing throughout this season that the special teams cannot be relied upon, plain and simple. And Frank Reich has to stop calling games as if the, he can rely on special teams. Look, uh, somebody, I think it was Stephen Holder that asked him after the game, uh, you know, do you feel like uh, you're – no, it wasn't Stephen. Stephen asked a question before this one. Anyways, somebody asked Frank Reich if, you know, you've said, Frank, that you'll – back these guys up, you know, too often, too much, even if they don't deserve it sometimes, you know, do you feel like you're backing up your quarterback and your field goal kicker too much right now? And he says, no, that's bullshit. Plain and simple. That's a lie. Frank Reich knows that he is backing these guys up because he's looking at the same tape that you and I are looking at. He's looking at the same thing that's going on on his, on, and here's, here's the thing. Yes. Jacoby Brissett was under pressure on his first interception, <clears throat> He also already had Ross Travis breaking to the outside and chose not to throw the ball to him, uh, which is about five yards deeper than I think it was Doyle that he overshot. And he had plenty of arm for it regardless. But that was a decision that was made after Ross Travis is cutting out towards the sideline, who was wide open, like wide open. And he didn't throw him the ball. That's a bad decision. There are things that we will all see, and that's not that's just one of very few. One of the things that Brissett did much better tonight, I think, than he has in the past, was throw the ball over the middle. Uh, until you get to the interceptions, of course. Before that, he was throwing the ball over the middle well to Pascal, to uh, just about everybody. Johnson, a lot of in-breaking in routes in, in today's uh, offense, and I, I like that. I enjoyed that. So you could tell that they designed – uh, the routes or the you know the combinations and route concepts around what they saw that they could exploit in uh, Tennessee's defense, and they did that. The problem is is that we all see this stuff. We see wide open receivers, Jacoby Brissett just ignoring them. We saw him do that today with Jack Doyle. Easy five yard reception on first down. Take the damn thing. But no, he hangs onto the ball, then tries to go over the middle, and it's a bad throw. Then you have another bad throw, and, and and the Colts run too often on first and second downs for bad throws because that means you're on third or fourth down already at this point. His decision-making sucked for several weeks now uh, in terms of Brissett, and Frank Reich's not stupid. He's a former quarterback. He sees that. He can't be honestly saying, no, that, I mean, that, that's, a good, that's a good play. He knows better. He knows it's not a good play. And that's what I'm saying. These guys run through this film like a, with a fine-tooth comb. We do it, I mean, kind of as observers, you know, but guys who are looking for answers uh, or gals looking for answers within play uh, from our team. And this is just what we see. We know that Frank sees it too. So he is. He, <laughs> Vinatieri, there is no doubt, has been god-awful this year. And there isn't anybody who can, you know, argue that he hasn't with a straight face, in my opinion. 
And so he is definitely backing them up way too much because we see this all the time, guys. If it wasn't Brissett, if it wasn't Vinatieri, and guys were playing the way that they've played the past several weeks, would not be on the team. Deion Kane simply wasn't being targeted. He's no longer on the team. They cut him. I mean, and I'm not picking out as if Deion Kane was some superstar. Uh, I think he's better than what they gave him credit for. That was just my personal experience. But I mean, this is it goes across the board, guys. But here's the thing. Nothing's been done about that special teams unit this year. I haven't done anything about it. Why not? I don't know. It's a problem, though. And at this point, the season is basically, I don't want to say that it's over, but it's, man, it's, it's pretty over. I mean, Tennessee is moving up. The Colts have been moving down. Uh, the Texans are playing pretty good football right now. Um, leaving the, from watching the game just a little bit ago, they're up 14 to three on the Patriots. Obviously we all know that can change pretty quickly, but the bottom line is, is that the Colts are not the best team in the AFC South this year. And you know, there's some things that we need to think about. Does T.Y. Hilton need to just go to IR? And I and I mean that for his long-term health. Because the Colts right now, after 13 weeks in the NFL season, look like trash. I mean, for long spurts of games. It's just the way it is. And right, you know, the one of the things that's going to start up this time too is uh, everybody talking about the draft. I'm hoping for losses because of the draft. And I have been a staunch uh, in argument with that, or staunchly in argument with that, every time it happens, anytime the Colts aren't like, you know, one or two losses, uh, going into the last four or five weeks of the season, it seems like people do this. This year feels different to me. And I'm not, uh, I'm not hoping for losses, but you know, there are a lot of holes to fill on this team. Um, you've got, an edge rusher who is out for the year in Kamoko Ture. You've got nothing out of Devin Funches this year, who was a free agency pickup. Uh, you got basically nothing out of Eric Ebron, a few touchdowns, a few catches, you know, I mean, and, and I'm, you know, obviously downplaying it. He had some good games, so, but he's gone because he's not a team player, plain and simple. He's not coming back. Um, there's just a lot of reasons this year to feel like, the Colts really have to focus on a lot of different areas to get this team better. And you look at a lot of people talking about Braden Smith moving down to guard. That's great. We've got to have a tackle that we can rely upon. Braden Smith's doing a pretty damn good job. He's not great, but he's doing a pretty damn good job for a guy who's supposed to be a guard is playing right tackle. And for the most part, there's just nothing that we can do about it. If until you get somebody who can replace him and make him force, you know, not make him, but, make him kick down into a guard position, what do you do? You can't do anything about it. He's your best option at right tackle by far right now. I mean, LaRaven Clark's been like active, what, two games this year? At least one, but I don't know if it's been any more than that, obviously. Um, and the Colts have a really good offensive line otherwise. So, I mean, that's just part of it. Yes, I think the Colts need to to make a solid top three round pick on a right tackle that they feel could really grow into that position and, you know, kind of leave the sixth and seventh round picks to some specialty players. Um, but you've got to get a wide receiver. You've got to get all, you've got to get a lot of things this year and you've got guys 
who are going to be coming back. The Colts have money. The Colts have some guys that they're going to have to line up for new contracts. So this year just feels kind of like a waste. I mean, this feels like a wash washout year. Frank Wright came in here blowing things up last year, just having a great season. Uh, this year, he's not having a great season play calling. He's not been nearly as aggressive as he ha- should has should have been. He's far. He's kind of whitewashed his own brain into believing that certain guys who haven't been performing week after week after week are going to somehow perform from now on. And that's a thing. So uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. We can take a quick break here. We're almost 20 minutes in. So uh, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be right back after this. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about TickPick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, folks, we're back. And like I said, as always, at the top of the show, make sure that you guys are using Stampede at checkout with TickPick in order to get your $10 off on that. Uh, It's super easy. I mean, just download the app, go through it. Easy picks, easy good stuff. Uh, Easy tickets, I mean. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit more um, about what we need. And here's the, here's the thing. Something I've been thinking about over and over again. We know that Chris Ballard is a guy who is staunchly ready to focus on draft or is constantly ready to focus on the draft. Constantly wanting to, whatever you want to call it, uh, pay his own guys, so to speak. Draft them, develop them get them to a second contract to where they're playing their best football. 
that is obviously the idea. Here's the problem. There are a lot of teams out there taking chances on top-end talent in, uh, in free agency that the Colts need to start thinking about occasionally. Look, we're seeing plays being made by guys who are uh, coming from other teams, who have been released from other teams. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And the Colts really just don't do that. I mean, look, Justin Houston's been the best pickup of the offseason this year, right? He was definitely – he's definitely been a playmaker. It sucks that he's not going to – I mean, he might be here next year. I don't know. It, it, it just is, seems like it sucks that he couldn't be here when the offense was more successful for him. Because I'll be honest, guys, I think the defense it has been great. Um, they're not perfect. They gave up some big plays. They have been giving up some big plays. That's an issue for sure, no doubt. Now, I'm not going to uh, you know, say that they're, they've been perfect. They haven't by any means. But this defense is a lot, lot better than we've had in recent years. A lot better. I mean, hell, they had six sacks today, guys. Forced two turnovers. And the damnedest part of it all is that the offense just felt like giving them right back. The offense didn't do anything to protect the ball, didn't do anything to help out the defense. And this is something that's been happening several weeks in a row. But this defense is a few players from being a top five, top ten defense, and I mean that wholeheartedly. I think some of the guys up front are pretty good. They're not great. The Colts need great up there, up in that front four. They really do. They need great. And, you know, the secondary could use some help. Uh, we're not going to get the same kind of play out of all those uh, secondary players between uh, safety and cornerback as we're going to get. I mean, we're going to lose some guys. Who knows if Quincy Wilson is going to be on the team next year? Who knows uh, what Pierre Desir's long-term health is going to be like, you know, because he's been nicked up quite a bit this, this year. Um, a lot of things are coming to mind right now. And with the Colts declining with their uh, on-field production, with their inability to put points on the board consistently, uh, to string drives together because oh man we oh, I don't even want to go through this again because we know that they can throw the ball we know that they can run the ball we know that we have one of the best offensive lines in the league when things are right the bad part about it is that they don't always and it seems like very seldom put that together between the play calling execution game plan all that good stuff it just doesn't seem like it's falling in line for the Colts and that's too bad and that sucks because I think the defense has definitely picked it up. They didn't start out hot this year. They started out pretty pretty weak, actually. Missing tackles, Darius Leonard having a terrible first game, missing a few games. Um, but largely, that defense has rebounded uh, as ab about as well as you could possibly ask them to do. And one of the things that we really have to focus on going forward this year is finding legit playmakers. And that includes at the quarterback position, in my opinion. This is a situation where we don't really want to be in. Look, I know that Vinatieri doesn't deserve to kick in the NFL right now. He doesn't. He's literally the worst kicker in the league, guys. This is not, like, hyperbole. He is literally the worst kicker in the league this year. But it's – I don't want to say it's scary. It's one of those things where you just think, damn, now we have to go try to find a kicker who will kick the ball through the freaking uprights every time. That's just a, it's just something that we haven't – between Vanderjack being good, when he declined, it didn't matter because we got Vinatarian. Now we've had Vinatieri for years. Now he's starting to go down. Who's the next guy? That's kind of one of the things, right? Because we've seen plenty of teams have crappy kickers for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. 
Nobody as bad as Vinatieri, I don't think, uh, <laughs> because they make a play. They make a difference. Or they make a change. Look at the – I mean, the there's so many things that the Colts could have done to address issues this year that they did not do, and I don't like that. I don't like that at all. To me, that is blatant and blind optimism when it's not – it's just undeserved. The Colts could have done something in a lot of different areas, and they chose not to. They got, like I said, they got nothing out of Funches. They made no attempt to go out and get really anybody. I mean, I'm not saying that there was a ton of guys out there available, but they didn't. Um, I just feel like the, I don't know about the quarterback situation. Who cares? Right, honestly, right now, uh, uh, about what the backup is is like. The Colts need a starter, you know, and I don't think Jacoby's a starter right now. I think he's capable of being a starter. I don't think he is a starter. And I think that you're blind or that you are just a never non-optimistic person with the Indianapolis Colts if you think Jacoby Brissett is a star in this league because he's obviously not. He can make plays. He makes some wow plays even. But there were weeks where he wasn't making the easy plays. He was making only a few wow plays, which was keeping the Colts in the game. And that's a problem. That is not a, a sign of consistency that is not a sign of an NFL quarterback. That is a sign of an NFL backup. So we'll see. I mean, I tried giving him the benefit of the doubt this year. Uh, I've been pretty critical of Brissett for a long time. But, you know, I mean, either he's going to have to make serious strides between now and next year or the Colts are going to need a new quarterback. Is that a rookie coming in, being drafted? Is that a, you know, a free agent? Is it? Is it what I don't know what it is. I don't. But it kind of feels like the Colts have waited so long to address certain issues that they now have a lot more to deal with this offseason than they probably should have. Uh, we don't know if Kamoko Ture is going to come back, you know, healthy or whatever. Banagoo uh, had a nice game today. Uh, we saw Okariki have a nice game, strip sack. I mean, we saw a lot. We've seen a lot of young guys, uh, no more, nobody more than Kenny Moore, in my opinion, be real contributors to this team I don't know when we're going to get when or if we're going to get Paris Campbell back it looked like they tried to get him back this week he wasn't available and this is another thing put his ass on IR too I mean I'm dead serious he's a rookie no reason to bring him in here and jack his hand up more there are this and this is why I think kind of it's this year that we talk about the draft a little earlier in terms of you know, not going to be upset if the if the Colts lose a couple more games. Yes, that I just don't I don't do this, guys. So I mean, if you've listened to this over the past couple three years, you know that this is one of the things that pisses me off to no end. People dropping in draft thoughts and and processes uh, halfway through the league. It's one of the most annoying things in the world to me. But there are so many injuries and so many issues right now. You're not, I mean, look, if the, and then I'm just saying this as a complete hyperbole, a hyperbole, if the Colts somehow get into, let's say the 10 to 15 range in draft, they have a real opportunity to get what most people consider to be a top three or four quarterback in this draft. And we know that uh, Ballard has gone to see Jordan Love. We know that there's other quarterbacks in here. Maybe Tua is a guy who drops a little bit because of injuries, but I don't know that he's necessarily the, you know, the go-to in this. I mean, I'm just, I'm just talking out loud right now about some thoughts, you know, but I mean, they need quarterback. 
in my opinion, they probably need uh, another running back. And I don't want to say need, okay? They would like another running back to come in here and be as uh, effective as Marlon Mack. Yes, Jonathan Williams had a couple good games. Something's up with him, though. We know that. Uh, I like Zach Pascal as a number three guy in this offense for the Colts uh, wide receiver room. But Jack Doyle's not getting any younger. Eric Ebron's going to be gone. Mo Cox is not a top-level NFL tight end. There's that that something coming into this season that was considered one of the strongest units in the league is going to probably be decimated next year, the tight end room for the Colts. Uh, I like Naheem Hines. I like what he provides uh, wide receiver-wise, obviously. Zach Paschal, he's the only uh, Colts receiver this year with 100-yard games. He's got two of them. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's going to have to come back healthy. You don't want him doing anything. Let him have the rest of the year off. Yes, that sucks. It sounds like you're giving up. We kind of are because the Colts are not going to make it to the playoffs this year, folks. This is the first year where I think even though we had much less uh, optimism when Andrew Luck retired out of nowhere, thinking, man, we've got some capability here. We've still got some stuff. We saw that the Colts had a good running game. The Colts could make do with some of the receivers. They've had an excellent healthy season out of the offensive line. Uh, the defense has played pretty damn good football, and the Colts are 6-6, six and six, guys. I mean, there are some things that the Colts have to get better, and, you know, uh, if nothing else, today's, today's an obvious sign of all that. You know, you, you want to see the Colts get better on the back end. I want to see the Colts. And then, like I said earlier, the, the youth around the Colts is very encouraging. And I think this defense is a, just a couple people away from being a real top-level defense in the league. And I like I said, I do not mean high, any hyperbole by that at all. Offensively, though, I think the Colts need more than a weapon. They need a couple. And they need a quarterback. They need some special teams issues fixed. Um... And I think one of the things, and I don't know how this happens or did happen or whatever, and I'm not even really sure how to say this, but Frank Reich has to stop acting like Chuck Pagano. And I don't mean with his play calling or anybody's play calling, you know, this or that. Frank Reich's a smart guy. But when you become loyal to a fault to players who aren't performing, you're going to lose your job. I'm not talking about this year, guys. I'm not talking even about next year. I'm saying that starts a downward spiral of you trusting players when they most of the, well, when they may not deserve it. Okay? You can hate Bill Belichick. You can think he's an ass. I mean, there are other guys like that too. But he's got to find a happy medium of, look, man, if you don't perform. And, and what he needs to do is be able to he needs to be able to convert Chris Ballard's words into actions. Chris Ballard told us that the locker room was watching and paying attention. Chris Ballard told us that it's not about one guy. Well, the way that it's happening right now, folks, it, it sure looks that way. It sure looks like it. nobody cares uh, that, you know, Vinatieri or uh, that any of the other guys aren't being held accountable because they're all friends. I mean, that, that's of course. I mean, nobody's going to say, yeah, I want him out of here because he's not making field goals. No, they love him. Same thing with Brissett. They love him. His leadership, great. His decision-making, you know, pretty questionable and average. Um, so all these things, you know, I think Frank Reich needs to be able to say, you know, definitively, look, 
You want my support? Get your ass on that field and earn it. And it's not something that you can, I, I don't know. I just don't want him to turn into Chuck Pagano with everybody wants hugs and, and stuff after the game. And, you know, I love these guys and, and it's all good. But, you know, it's not all good because the team kind of sucks right now. And, and this is a problem. So I don't want him to fall into that line. I want him to kind of move back to where he was last year. Yes, he has an aura around him that these players are attracted to because they all have this sense of community, this sense of uh, understanding between each other. But that sense of understanding isn't being followed, in my opinion. I mean, some of these guys are not playing well, but they're still playing. I mean, I don't know. If, if it's not injuries, why was why was Jonathan Williams taken out of the game today? Because of what, two plays? I mean, Venteri's missed like 400 kicks this year. Why is he still kicking? And you say, who are you going to get in there that's better? Literally anybody. <laughs> He's the worst kicker in the league this year. Anybody. Anybody. So, I mean, I don't know, guys. Uh, defensively, like I said, it was, man, nine quarterback hits today. You know, kind of got me off on... Just a little bit, and but it's aggravation, you know. This is uh, this is a team that I think that a lot of us had more high hope or more higher hopes for uh, than what they've produced. And like I said, God, six sacks today, guys. Six sacks, nine quarterback hits. Um, just too bad. The problem is, is that the Colts took three sacks and ten quarterback hits, and a lot of those quarterback hits had real issues with. Uh, Jacoby Reset or created real issues with Jacoby Reset. So a lot of things need to change. Um, you know, I'm not going to get in anybody's D, uh, mentions uh, in terms of hating the preparing for draft season because you know what? I mean, unfortunately, it is. I don't want to watch the Colts suck for the next few weeks. I really don't. I want to see them play hard. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not too worried about it. But the Colts have a little bit of capital to where they can move up if needed. So, um, it's just I'm just kind of torn this year. This is it, it's been so disappointing to me to see the defense rebound, come back and play well, to see the offense with an intact offensive line, um, and a guy that you just paid a crap load of money to, to be you know your starting quarterback and to say he's our guy. Yeah, but he's not. He definitely is not. I, I just don't think he is. And, you know, one game next week or two games the next two weeks of him playing really good football isn't going to change my mind. He's consistently shown this year um, that he is basically what he showed us in 2017, just a little bit better. And that's not good enough. It's just not. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, the Indianapolis Colts fall to the Tennessee Titans. And it looks like the Titans are actually going to give the Texans uh, a pretty good run for their money the rest of the year, which is kind of interesting considering I think the Titans suck this year, but Tannehill certainly uh, did a lot more for the uh, for the Titans, you know, and we're going to see what he can do for him going down the stretch. The Colts are at the Buccaneers next week, 1 o'clock window, and the Bucks trashed the Jaguars today, so... Uh, we'll see what happens with all that, but the Colts have the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Jaguars. And if they don't win out, they're definitely. I mean, ten and six is a pretty nice number. I still don't think it gets them to the playoffs this year. 
Um, there's just too many variables in here that don't look to be going into the Colts' favor, in my opinion. So um, I don't think that the Colts are going to finish 10-6, and six, first of all. 9-7 to me is about as good as they could possibly do. I mean, they can beat the Panthers. They're 5-7 and seven or something like that. They can beat the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are very high and very low. Uh, they can also get smoked by the Bucks. They play the Saints next uh, uh, in two weeks. You know, it's prime time. That's probably going to get flexed out. <laughs> Just uh, maybe not. I don't know if that's even possible right now. But I don't think anybody wants to watch the Saints smash the Colts in prime time in, in the league office. And so that that's you know whatever. But this is the way it goes. So you know the they Colts the Colts finish up with the Jaguars. I think they should win that no matter who they've got at quarterback or anything else. Uh, what's going on? This year, but I just don't see the Colts winning out, and I don't see the Colts making a uh, a playoff run this year. There's a lot of teams that are better than them this year, a lot of teams. So, um, unfortunately, you know, Colts fall to six and six, and uh, and it looks like the Colts season could be over. One more loss, and I think it's mathematically impossible for the Colts to do anything at this point. So we're gonna see what happens. But uh, uh, folks, we'll be back uh, early in the week with another show looking forward to the Buccaneers we're going to keep this baby rolling and uh, I know that Zach Hicks has some draft stuff coming out on Stampede Blue I know we're going to have a lot of things going on we've already had talks about the the draft guide getting that thing set up so we've got a lot of things moving along moving forward at Stampede Blue and uh, we'll continue to pump out some audio as well every week uh, obviously through the season but we're not stopping that we're going to keep that going uh, all through the off season as well, and we'll try to keep you guys up to date on as much as possible. So, um, hope for the Colts to have some better days than today, uh, and and better than the last three or four or five weeks, because uh, Colts I think are one and four in the last five weeks. That's unacceptable. That's not good. Nobody wants to see that. So, uh, thank you guys all for listening. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Colts Cast. Stampede Blue